0: Uh, house in that right under he's back there somewhere he can tell you Um, we oh gosh guys y'all are y'all are gonna think I'm just a horrible pet owner and I kind of am when it comes to guinea pigs so we had Captain America one Captain America one we didn't think that our dog could get through that cage but it turns out she was very smart and she did um, and so we very quickly, uh, you know, tripped to the pet store, made a switch, and we were able to get Captain America 2, who we just called Captain America. We didn't, we didn't want to talk about it um, with Ender. He was, he was pretty young at that point. This was, I think, it was, other than the dogs, this was our first pet. Um, so then we thought, you know what, let's get Captain America 2. Let's get him a friend. And so we ended up getting Hulk and... Uh, We're we're working on the Avengers, is what we were doing. So we had Hulk, and they they were friends. They were in a cage. Um, Captain America 2 got sick. Don't know what it was. Don't know what happened. Um, He got sick, so he went to go visit his family in Brazil. Um, And then Hulk was lonely, and so we decided we would get Hawkeye. And so now we have Hulk and Hawkeye in the cage. Um, at, at some, now at some point, one of them, I don't know, one of them went to the doctor, got a magic pill, changed it the way it looked, um, changed its size, changed its size. Don't, I don't really remember the whole sequence of events here. But the point is, all of these guinea pigs um, ended up either uh, going to visit family some, in some exotic country or some other story like that. Because as these guinea pigs were dying and we didn't know what in the world was going on and we promised, we promised, we're never getting one again. So don't worry about guinea pigs. We are not getting any more. Um, But as they're dying and as we have this, you know, Ender was pretty young and, and we didn't want to deal with that issue. We didn't want to deal with our young child confronting death confronting grief, especially when I'm, I don't know what to, do all guinea pigs go to heaven? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I hope that they do because their poor little lives were cut short because they were in my house. So I hope that they do, but I really don't know. And I didn't want to give, I didn't want to give him false hope. And so I just, we just thought, you know what, let's just not even deal with this issue. Let's just not even talk about it because we knew that at such a young age, that grief could have been overwhelming. Well, he's a smart kid. He figured it out the other day. He was like, you know, I had four guinea pigs. I'm like, did you know the whole time or what? (laughs) But we just didn't want to talk about that because saying goodbye is hard. Saying goodbye is hard. And we didn't know if we would see these little pets again. Our culture, our culture talks about this idea often. It talks about this idea of what what happens when people die uh, you've, you've got a lot of different perspectives. So uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, he kind of represents that atheistic perspective. And, and he has a beautiful way of saying this. But he says, you just become stardust. You become, you're, 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 your body just becomes part of this cosmic universe. And that's it. And you're done. Then you have uh, kind of representing an agnostic perspective. Dr. B. J. Miller, um, who's a, he was a hospice, he's a hospice physician, and uh, he was on Oprah, and he kind of represents this agnostic perspective. He's on Oprah, and he's talking about you know being in the room with people as they die, and then he says, he says, uh, he says, I mean, I, I don't know what happens, and I love not knowing. The answer is unimportant. It's just this sacred and, and gorgeous moment. Well then, if you've ever wondered how, how Jehovah's Witnesses are, are different from us, here's one reason, here's one way. Uh, the, the, the Jehovah's Witness perspective, they say when a person dies, his life ends, and your feelings and your memories, they don't live on somewhere else. You, you can't see, you can't hear, you just, you cease to exist for a while, and then they kind of go on and they say, well, some people are then resurrected, some aren't, some, some are resurrected into heaven, some are resurrected to earth, and they get a second chance, there are all kinds of ideas, aren't there, guys? All kinds of ideas about this question. Even among Christians, there's a lot of disagreement. Even among Christ followers, there, there's been disagreement over the years. Do, do, do Christians who, who die, do they go to purgatory and they, they kind of you know, work off their sins if they weren't good enough and then, then eventually they can bump their way in? Um, do they go straight to a cloud? Are they floating around on a harp, just playing the harp all day? Um, do they get wings and become angels? You know, you hear a lot of these things. The answer to all of those is no. By the way, the people here in Thessalonica are really no different. They they didn't know. They didn't know what would happen. And, and we're going to get into this in just a minute. But in verse chapter four, verse thirteen, it says, "We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep." They didn't know. They didn't know what would happen to their brothers and sisters in Christ when they died. And so they're starting to grieve without hope. This isn't isn't a situation like one person has put it. He said, "We, we all do this where we're struggling to bring our faith and our emotions together. That's not what they were doing. They were just missing critical information. And it was causing them to grieve the death of those who they loved. Now, I just want to give a disclaimer before we get into this. Um, we're not going to be talking this morning, we're not talking about hell. And the reason we're not doing that is because Paul doesn't do that. That's not his focus in this passage. And so we're not going to be talking about hell. I, just, just, all, all I'm going to say about that is if you don't want to be with God, he won't make you. That's what hell is. Hell is a place that is devoid of the goodness and the presence of God and all of the implications that go along with that. And if you don't want to be with him, he won't make you. But Paul's not going to be talking about that here, and so we're not, we're not going to go into that in any more depth as we read 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, which is page 1257 in your pew Bibles. Before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be with us. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts. Give us the comfort and the hope that we have in Christ. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 13. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. So we know grief is this, is this letting go process it's it's a necessary process you can try and avoid it if you do it will come back to you it's this necessary process where where we're, we're learning how to let go and the question then is not if we grieve the question is how we grieve and so the question here that Paul is looking at is how do we as Christians how do we go through that grief process how should we and he says, right off the bat, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to grieve as others do who have no hope. And so here we see, right from the start, Paul is teaching that as Christians, yes, we grieve. But we grieve with hope. Now, the first reason is right here in verse 14. Right here in verse 14, he says, For since we believe that Jesus died. Now, real quick, just as an aside, it, What does it mean to grieve with hope? It doesn't mean that we ignore the pain. It doesn't mean that we always act happy. It doesn't mean we act like nothing happened. It means that we have this foundation underneath our grief. It means that even in the midst of it, we have something to keep us from losing ourselves completely. And we have something to help us grow. That's just as an aside. Now the foundation here... Why do we grieve with hope? What is the foundation? For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. The first part of it is we have to grieve with hope because Jesus died. Now that sounds strange. That sounds strange to point to somebody's death and say, this guy died. So you can grieve with hope. You can have hope. But this is part of the, This is the most central teaching in Christianity is we get to grieve with hope because of what his death accomplished. We already talked about it, that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. We know that we're all imperfect. We know that we make mistakes. We know that mistakes have consequences. Some of those consequences are eternal. We've rebelled. We've strayed. We've fallen short. And yet Paul says, you need to grieve death with hope. And how can he say that? Knowing that those who die must answer for their sins. What's right there. Since we believe that Jesus died. And what did Jesus' death accomplish? If you read on in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We were talking about it in Sunday school earlier, about different views on death. Only Christianity, only Christianity says you have hope, and it's not because of anything you did. It's because of something somebody else did. And that's contained here in the death of Christ. It doesn't take away our tears. It doesn't remove our grief. But it helps us to grieve with hope. Because we know that the Christians who have gone before us, they're not going to have to answer for their wrongdoing. They're not going to have to answer these things. They know that better than we do. Christians who have gone before us, they go before Christ. And I think they hear Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's because of the death of Christ. And that's the first part of our foundation of why we can grieve with hope because Jesus died. Now let's just imagine it's not a perfect analogy, but let's just imagine once upon a time there's a little boy who loved to pretend he was a ninja. And he would run around the yard, he'd climb trees, he'd throw pine cones like they were ninja stars, and he loved playing ninja. But then one day it's raining, and he has to stay indoors. He's got all this energy, if you, your kids were, you know, he's got all this energy, and his mom says, look, you can still play ninja, but don't play in the living room. Well, he's playing all over the house, he's, he's playing in his room, he's playing in his kitchen, and, and he's playing everywhere that he can think to play, and he starts getting bored, and then he looks, and y'all, he sees a monster start going into the living room. Now, like any good ninja, he decides, I know my mom told me, but i got to beat that thing. And so he goes in there, sneaks in at first, and then he has the fight of his life. And he's jumping left, and he's spinning right, and he's running across the couch. And then he leaps, and his foot catches his mom's favorite lamp. And there it goes in slow motion and hits the ground and shatters into a thousand pieces. And what do you think he does? He runs to his room as fast as he can, and he hides. And as time is going by, he's getting more and more scared, thinking, what's going to happen? Is he going to get grounded? Is, is, are they going to take away his toys? Are they gonna, Are they going to take away his ninja costume? And then he starts thinking a little more. And he thinks, are they still going to love me? And then he thinks about his mom, and he thinks about how much she loved that lamp, and how special that was to her. And he starts to feel worse and worse, and he can't stand it. And so he runs out of his room, and he finds his dad, and he tells him what he did. And his dad picks him up, gives him a kiss on the forehead and a hug, and he says, I know, and I forgive you. Now I want you to take that box over there and I want you to go give that to your mother. So he's still kind of shocked and he picks up the box and he goes and he finds his mom and he tells her what he did and says that he's sorry. And he says, oh yeah, dad told me to give this to you. And she opens up the box and pulls out a brand new lamp just like the one before except even a little better. And as she does that, he looks on the label and he sees that it says, To Mom, from your son. That's what it's like. That's what Jesus' death accomplished for us. And so we're all just like that little boy. We've all gone in the living room knowing we shouldn't. We broke the lamp, y'all. But Jesus' death does for us what that Father did for his son. When we go to Jesus, when we go to our Father in heaven, It's like going with that lamp, except we're going with Jesus' righteousness. And we go knowing the words of comfort that we're going to hear. We don't face the penalty of the wrongs that we've done because Jesus already did that on our behalf. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. That's what his death accomplished. That's why we can grieve with hope. And besides, Christians who've gone before us know that. What did Jesus say? even the thief on the cross. Do you remember? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus was comfortable telling the thief on the cross that the place he was about to be was paradise. But there's more. We also, we grieve with hope here because Jesus rose again. He says again in verse 14, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we can't just stop at his death We can't just stop at the cross because now we have to move to the empty tomb. Jesus rose again and he put death under his foot. He rose again and he showed that he had claimed victory over death. He rose again and he showed that death isn't final. That's why Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep because it's temporary, because it won't last forever. They won't sleep forever. And we know that because Jesus rose again. He rose again. And then he continued to walk on the earth for some time in a real body. You could touch him. You could feel him. Real blood in his veins. The disciples heard him. They saw him. They talked to him. Thomas put his hands in the nail marks. Jesus ate food in front of them. He proved that he had victory over death and that he rose again in a new body. And when Jesus rose again, he showed us that those who share in his death will share in his resurrection too. Look at verse 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. In other words, probably one of the teachings that Jesus had, had passed down through his disciples. It says that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not perceive those who have fallen asleep. And in the last part of 16, he says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise and Jesus' death, just like that was proof that we're free from eternal death, now his resurrection is proof that we will one day live again. And when we live, we will live in renewed bodies. Our bodies will have bones and blood and flesh and we'll live on them in this earth. And they're going to be no less than they are now. They will be no less than they are now. So there was a deal a while back, and, and if, you had a, if you had an iPod Nano, there was a something that was defective. And so they, Apple put out this thing and they said, hey, if you have this iPod Nano, send it in. We'll send you a new one. And so I filled out the form. I had, I had one of these iPod Nanos and I, I filled out the form and I sent it in fully expecting to get back this, this either the same thing or, or something you know, exactly the same just with a new battery or whatever part was wrong. And they sent back the latest model of the iPod Nano. Now, if you keep up with technology, it, it seems like these things, they just keep getting better and better and better. And so here, I I got this new thing. It was replaced. It was the same thing. It was still an iPod. It was still an iPod Nano. It was no less than it was before. But now it was something better. It was something new. It was something different. There was continuity. There were things that were the same. And there were things that were different and better. And it's going to be the same way for us. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians. He says something similar is going to happen to us. We will be like him because we will see him. I don't know. I don't know what the new bodies are going to be like. I don't know what it's going to be like. There will be some continuity. But it will be no less than the bodies we have now. And in fact, it will be even more. You will be physically healed. You will be emotionally healed. You will be morally healed. You won't struggle with those same decisions. You will be relationally healed healed and whole in every way. And that same truth is true for us is true for our brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone before us. And actually, they get to know it first. If Jesus comes back, while we're still here, the dead in Christ will rise first. That's good news. And that allows us also to grieve with hope because Jesus rose again. The last piece of this, and where Paul spends the most time, is trying to give the Thessalonians hope, knowing not just that Jesus died and everything that he accomplished, not just that Jesus rose again and everything that that means for us, but he also wants to give them hope knowing that Jesus will return. Look at verses 16 through 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, And with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Now I hear this talk about the the voice of the Lord, and the cry of command, and the sound of the trumpet, and and I'm thinking, man, how do people hear that all over? And and I I didn't think something like that was possible. But we, we even can, can hear a little taste of this now. In 1883, there was a, a volcano that erupted on Krakatoa, Krakatoa excuse me, Island in Indonesia. 1,300 miles away, people heard it. 2,000 miles away in New Guinea, people heard it. 3,000 miles away on an island called Rodriguez, people heard it. Now, 3,000 miles, that sounds like a lot, and It is. And let me put that into perspective. Boston is 200 miles from New York. And if you told somebody, hey, I heard that, they're going to go, what? Well, 3,000 miles is more like being in Boston and hearing a noise coming from Dublin. And here we read this, and as I try and imagine this situation and what it must be like to hear that sound as Jesus comes, I want us to do what Paul does I want us to put ourselves in the middle of it. And okay, I know we're Presbyterian, this This might be a little weird, but I want everyone to close your eyes. (laughs) And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine this. And I think it might go something like this You're weary, you're tired, you're grieving. And then you hear the voice of Jesus shout It is finished! And your heart leaps into your chest because you know his voice. And then you hear the voice of the archangel and he says, behold your king. And a trumpet sounds and the sound goes through you and you start to weep because you know what's happening. Because you've heard about it for years and you have hoped for it for years. And you know now why you could grieve with hope in that day we will be together and the dead in Christ now in their renewed bodies they will be right there with the rest of the church all of us together, one big family and you will look and there's Bill and there's Jerry there's Trafton, there's Ethan there's George there's Susan, there's Eric there's Jim, everyone in Christ who has died throughout the course of history, will rise again, and we will be together. All of the saints who we miss with all of our heart, they will rise again, and we will be with them. And when Jesus returns, we'll have this great big family reunion, and we'll be with Jesus forever, without end, always. And that's why Paul ends that with, and so we will always be with the Lord. And that is good news, because in those times of grief, when the pain seems unbearable, we long for the kind of comfort that only Jesus can give. And we have that comfort in part here on the earth. We have it in part through the Holy Spirit and through each other. But when Jesus returns, we will have his comfort in person. And when Jesus returns, he will come with his kingdom fully realized. And he will reign on the earth forever and ever. And then I want you to imagine this that on that day, you realize something beautiful has happened. All of the pain is gone. All of the unrest, all of the grief, it's gone. When Jesus returns, it is all gone because Jesus, who is our hope, has appeared. You can open your eyes if you haven't. That's why we can grieve with hope because Jesus died. Jesus rose again, and Jesus is coming back. And we can grieve with hope, And that's why Paul says in verse 18 that we can encourage one another with these words. We can comfort each other with these words because these truths that we believe, they put a foundation underneath our grief. They put a foundation of hope under our grief. And so we can comfort each other with these words. Now remember, there is a right time. There is a right place. There's a, a, a guy named Kenneth Hogue, and he wrote a book. It's called Don't Sing Songs to a Heavy Heart. Remember, there's a right time, there's a right place, there's a right way. Someone who's grieving, they might just need you to be there and just not say anything. They might need you to just give them a hug and say, I'm so sorry. They might need you to remember anniversaries and birthdays and holidays. And there will come a time and a place that we can encourage each other with these words. The Holy Spirit can guide us in that. But we can all remember that when the grief is overwhelming, we can grieve with hope in Jesus. The pain that we have now, it still hurts, but we have hope in the midst of it. And there will be times where parts of it will be smaller and smaller. And one day when Jesus returns or when we die and we are with him, the hurt will not just be small, it will be gone forever. Therefore, Let us encourage each other with these words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the hope we have in Christ. Thank you for the anchor that we have in the work of Christ in his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and that he's coming again. Holy Spirit, work these truths into our hearts. Give us wisdom to know when and how to comfort each other with these words.